all right, I'm going to, I'm just going to talk. I don't have a plan. I'm just going to let Holy Spirit do what Holy Spirit does, which is give me the correct words to speak. And we're just going to flow from there. But there's a lot of things that I could talk about. And I was going to release an episode last week, but then I just, I just decided I was going to rest. So this week, we're just going to jump into it. I, I don't want this to be one of those weeks where I'm like, I'm going to rant for a while, right? No, I'm just going to be really honest from my heart and just express the places that have grieved me that I've seen in the last, I mean, even 24 hours. But I'm, I had a conversation this week about what does our generation deem as success and what is our generation going to leave the church to be really, right? And I just began to explain to this person who's a lot older than me that I pray that my generation leaves a healthier church than the one that I was given. And they kind of were like a little taken aback by that and asked me to like elaborate. And I said, the church that we were given isn't one that's wholly planted on the purity of the offering. And I just explained that my heart grieves because I'm watching a generation that's had to fight through all the crap of idols that people have deemed kingdom to get to Jesus. And I've watched if people have been really hurt because they chose the one thing over what we have deemed our kingdom and not God's. And as I began to explain to them, like the idols that I've noticed from the idol of, of the title, I mean, I, I think it's one of the hardest things for a lot of people to shake is a title inside of the church, right? And if you're living for a title, there is no better title you could ever have above son and daughter. So I don't know what you're living for, right? And I just began to explain how there is a generation that sought after being an elder or a deacon and sought after being the pastor and being in the pulpit. And and it was all about being charismatic and all of these things. And And I just explained this, the title superseded the love we have for one another. When God is calling us and saying, the golden rule that I leave you is to love your neighbor as yourself, but all you care about is a title, promise you you're not loving your neighbor very well. Because you're very caught up in, what am I doing? Well, how do people perceive me? What's going on around me? And I've just watched a generation get blown out by wanting to love Jesus wholeheartedly and a generation go, no, but that's not what we're doing. It's about the building right now. It's about the number right now. It's about the 21 minutes of worship that we have before we transition into blah, 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 blah perfectly. And everything is perfection. And I just begin to explain to them how grieved I am in my heart because when I get to heaven, I'm not expecting, there's no expectation for, well, how was our numbers? Do you think God's up there like, yeah, how's the numbers today? Nope, you went a little too long on that ser- on that sermon or you sang too long in this. I just think that I want heaven on earth and we ask for these things, but we have not stewarded or began to even dig deeply for those things. And so I think as we had this conversation 
and I began to just break things down. Even to the point of this, I said, there is so much injustice inside of the church that we don't talk about. And (laughs) this is going to be kind of triggering for people, but I just think that there is, there are things that are happening behind closed doors in churches that are being swept under rugs that honestly grieve my heart and grieve the Lord's heart. And there are people who believe that God wanted them to go through these hardships, that this is God's best for them, is to go through abuses of power and just different abuses that are happening inside of the church, and it's not. And so I think with this generation, one of the biggest reasons why we're kind of like, yo, like burn the freaking table is because we see the hurt that has been left. We're watching our friends go, I don't want anything to do with Jesus because of the hurt that has been inflicted by a generation that chose an idol above a people. I didn't mean for this to get so ranty and deep really quickly, but I've just noticed so many things that I'm like, I can't agree with it. I can't partake of it. All that my heart can do, all that my heart yearns for is to give God the most pure offering. I can't give a pure offering if I'm worried about what people think. I can't give a pure offering if I'm worried about how much I gave. I I think when we're talking about bringing him an offering and we're talking about revival and what we want the church to look like, right? At the end of the day, it just comes down to being a son and a daughter and coming. There's something that I've learned about the offering, right? God doesn't care what it looks like. He just wants you to bring it. God God sees your sin. He sees it all. But he's going, you're my son and my daughter. Will you bring me the offering? And I think what has happened inside of the church is we've made it seem like the offering has to be perfect. We taught a generation that if it isn't a certain sum or if it doesn't look like this, then it's not right. And it's wild that we're teaching generations perfection when all God asks for is for you to come. And I know there's verses that are like, be holy for I am holy, right? I I just say this too. He's, He's asking you for you to just do your best. He's asking for you to know that there is grace for you to fail, but to just keep running. And so as I look at these things, I, I'm getting like super grieved and that's, I'm not just going to bank on that. I'm not going to just harbor on that. I'm also going to say this too, that, that I don't want our generation to get it wrong. I don't, I look and I see everything that the other generation has done. And I, I want to say this too. I am so grateful for those that have stewarded at levels that I could never, for those that are like, 30, 40, 50 years into relationships with Jesus. That's insane. Like I I can't even fathom it, right? I'm so grateful for what they have left. Even the messes. I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for the ones that tried to tear down the idols. I'm grateful for the ones that came with the purity of their heart and their tears. Like the I have grandparents that have dug wells that I now live from. And when you read your Bible, right, and you go in the Old Testament, you watch as Jacob opens up wells that Abraham dug. 
And there are wells that are so beautiful that that generations have left for us to drink from, to open up, right? And so that we can even get to glean from them on those. And I'm so eternally grateful for those things. And even in the midst of it, yes, I'm going to call out the wrong things, but we also have things inside of our generation that need to be fixed. And it's this that's about to get, I'm going to say a couple things. I, yeah, like, I don't want to cry. This, it can't be about this small little phone we have in our hands, right? It can't be about opening the door before it's time. Our generation really wants to see revival, right? And wants to see our friends get chains broken off their lives from anxiety and depression and suicide and, and just so many other things that culture is inflicting upon them, right? But if that's what we want, then we have to bring a pure offering, which means we need to understand the sacredness of spending time with the Father and allowing what happens with him to stay between us. The monetization of Jesus is killing me. It's killing me. I'm watching a generation think that the things that they record on their phones or that their friends record for them while they're praying or leading worship or preaching or praying for somebody or giving somebody a word and then throwing it on social media, it's, it's tainting the offering. It's no longer about, man, Jesus, I love you so much, so I'm going to go and love your children so well. It has become, all right, yep, Jesus, I love you. Okay. I'm going to go I'm going to go pray for them because yep that's what you called me to do but I need you to I need you guys to all film me praying for them so then other people will be affected by my prayer. That's not it. The prayer is weakened. The prayer has no authority. I do not I'm just going to stay calm. Let me let me just stay calm for a second. But there has not been an urging in the Holy Spirit for me to pray for someone in a moment where I went I hope somebody records this. Why? Because that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. In that moment, I am not thinking about me. I am thinking about I get to be the vessel that God uses to change someone's life, to bring revelation, to, to push them further in relationship. When we are thinking about ourselves in the midst of ministry, ourselves in the midst of discipleship, We've lost it. If you're worried about your followers or how social media sees you, you've lost it. The monetization of Jesus is sickening. And what's crazy is the same people who will say these things about, oh, I just love Jesus so much, right? And I, I just, I love when Jesus went in the temple and flipped the tables are the ones that are now sitting at those tables that he flipped. I'm tired. I'm tired of watching people get caught up in this game of fame and thinking that's what it's about. No, that's not what it's about. I don't do this because I'm going, I hope I get famous one day. I hope everybody knows my name one day. No, do you really want to know? If you knew me personally, like my friends that know me deeply and personally, no, I am the most private person. 
I do not tell people my business. My sister tells people my business. It's it's kind of like a running joke. Like, if you really want to know about me, you should follow my sister on social media because then you'll know what I'm doing. But no, it, I am. I don't do this because I want to become something. I do this because God came to me and said, will you teach a generation to love me? And I said, yes. That's why I do it. So when we're, when you're feeling like, okay, God's calling me into ministry or God's anointing me to do this or God's anointed every single one of us to make disciples, by the way, everybody is anointed to do that. It is not about you in that moment. Do you want me to be super real with you? Those of you guys that can go, okay, God, you've given me this gift. I give it back to you. What do you want me to do? You got it. He's going, okay, I can trust you with more. But those of you that go, okay, this is the talent he's given me. How do I accelerate it myself? You've lost it. He's going, I can't, I can't give you more. I can't entrust you with more. Because what you did with a little, it, it wasn't faithful. It wasn't good. It wasn't just. I don't want to see a generation step into their place in the kingdom and leave behind a mess of bodies on the way to their title. He doesn't need a generation, another generation seeking a title in a building and fame. He doesn't need it. You know what he needs? He needs a generation that's going, the greatest title I have is son and daughter, and the greatest thing I could do is make disciples. The greatest thing I could do is feed the homeless, is help the widows, is love his children. That is the greatest thing I could do. When you understand that, life is different. One of the greatest things that I love to do, I love getting to do this, is giving things away. I love to give. I think, I, I, I think it's the most beneficial thing I've ever been able to do in my life. Like I've given away computers. I've given away shoes. I've given away clothes. I've given away money. Like all the time. Like Holy Spirit will be like, hey, give this person $100. Okay. Sweet. I've had moments literally while I'm preaching a sermon where the Holy Spirit's like, hey, go give that person blah, blah, blah out of your purse. And I'm like, okay. But do you know how that happens? It happens because it's not about me. It is about him. And I know that at the end of the day, the greatest thing I can have is this relationship. So what is money to me? What is it? I got to have this really, one of my really good friends had a layover in my city, which was super cool. And I haven't seen her in a while. And like, it's just wild where life has kind of taken us in the last like year. Cause we used to do all these production projects together and things like that. So it's just been like, kind of sad not being with her as I'm like building other things out but we're just having this conversation of like where we're at and like the people we're working with now and stuff like that and kind of how wild it is and and I said have you gotten to that weird place where like you know if you were to tell people like who you work for or who you work with they'd like lose it and she's like it's weird right and she like started talking to me about it and we just had like this mutual bonding moment over that of like who cares? Like at the end of the day, like they're just people. And and it was really funny because I was thinking about it and I was like, the greatest person I could ever meet in my life will be Jesus. When I get to go before God in heaven and he goes, well done, good and faithful servant. That's the greatest thing. 
the people you meet, the the amount of fame they have, the followers, it doesn't matter when you get before the father. He's not going to care. He's not going to go, wow, you dressed really well. No, he's going to go, your heart. The disciples you left. That's where it's at. And I'm just I'm just saying this because I can see the temptation. I can see the temptation of how do I make this about me? I can see the temptation of our social media and our phones becoming idols. And it grieves my heart. It grieves my heart. I want to see my nieces and then my children live in revival. I don't want them to know any other life. I want them to hunger and thirst for his presence. I want them to reject culture and choose his presence every time. In order to do that, we have to be a generation that is more caught up in him and bringing a pure offering to him than ever before. That puts aside all the exceptions and says, here I am, God. Use me. Here's my finances. Here's my dreams. Here's my hope. Use me. We don't need another generation that sits at the table of fame and fortune. We need a generation that will be the hands and feet that will clothe the widows and feed the poor. And you know what? If they never got a thing, the well done and good and faithful servant would be enough for them. That's what we need. That's what we need. I'm just tired. Like, I'm actually tired. I don't want this to become a game. I don't want to walk into church and put the mask on like I've seen generations before me do. I want an honest and real and true generation. I want to sit in communities where people are honest, where people are like, actually, I'm struggling so heavy with anxiety. Actually, I'm so disappointed with God right now. Actually, my family is a hot mess and I need somebody to come in and just hold me for a while. That is what I want. Authenticity and purity. Do you know what God can do with the generation that says, here I am, send me? Do you know what he can do? And this is definitely Holy Spirit, but I can sense that some of you guys are like, God doesn't want to use me. Like, I've done too much. I've failed too many times for God to use me. And he's saying, no, you're the one I want. In your brokenness, in your hurting, in your disappointment, you're the one I want. I never stopped loving you, and I never stopped wanting you. Would you come back? I know you feel like you've messed up, 
way too many times, but would you come back anyway? Because you're the one I want. You're the one he wants. God loves when we come in our failure. He loves it. He loves when we go, God, Muhammad. I don't but here I am. Goes, this is the good thing. You got it. He loves it. So if you're sitting here and you're going, Gabriella, I want to be a part of a generation that leaves revival on the earth, that leaves a hunger and a thirst for his presence. You got to get really honest with him today. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for honest people. The church has already done perfection. It didn't work. What do we have? Really nice buildings with really empty hearts. He wants people who hunger and thirst. You really want to know, how do I how do I become that? What does it look like? Go read the Beatitudes. Just begin to delve into the Beatitudes. It's going to shift your life. But that's all I got. I could go on for a while. I could cry, you know, and probably pray for like a million and one different things. But that's all I got. I hope you guys have a good week. I'm sorry I cried again. But have a good one.